Well, we have nine more holes to go, so how about you two fellas follow me to the 10th tee? On to the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper. Two players down the middle on the 10th hole. Here's Brian and Bob. Well, thank you very much and welcome into the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio. Counting down the top 10 stories of 2023 here on the back nine. If you missed hour one, we had some of the more current events this week, including uh, Jeff Babineau, who's writing for PGATour.com. He's out of the PNC Championship, covering Tiger and Charlie. Gave us some good insights there. Check it out. Also, Ryan Ballingy from GolfNewsNet.com and the Caddy. That was all in hour number one. All three guests loaded them up, and uh, you can check it out by following us on X at Real Golf or download us where your favorite podcasts are found. We'll post all of that for you to listen to. In the meantime, 25 years ago, Bob, speaking of the father yeah. and son, 25 years ago, you uh, and your dad won Johnny Miller's inaugural Champions Challenge at yeah. Thanksgiving Point in Lehigh, Utah. And... That led to me doing an interview with you afterwards as the winner, which led to me realizing you lived close by, and that's what started the show off uh, the following spring yeah. after the Masters. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, I got back from the Masters, and I got a phone call, and you said, hey, do you want to do a radio show? And I said, yeah, that'd be fun. That sounds good. <laughs> Little did we know what kind of journeys uh, it would take us through over the yeah, next Yeah, and, and it years. started locally to begin with on the station we were on. And then once we jumped to a different station with all of the personalities that left that prior station, uh, then we were able to meet with um, David Simmons. And David Simmons helped us get syndicated and get this thing off from running nationally. Yeah, David was huge in giving us the opportunity to syndicate the show and take it to the next level. And yep. uh, we've had so many people that have helped us along the way. But yeah, we'll reflect a lot on that coming up next year and, and do some fun things to, which by next year, I mean in a few weeks, Yeah, uh, to to commemorate the 25 years. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pay it back to our, our listeners as well who have supported us over the years. So we've been very fortunate to be able to talk golf with you every Saturday morning. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in and thanks for following us on social. Thanks for your feedback and comments when we see you in person as well. And, you know, those are the guys that we had on hour number one, great guys that we've enjoyed uh, talking golf with as well. So uh, give them a follow and give them a listen. So we'll kick it off. Coming up next, top 10 stories of 20. 23. This is going to be good. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And there certainly in all of the years, this might be one of the most newsworthy years in <laughs> professional golf. Certainly. We'll kick it off next right here on real golf radio. Now back to real golf radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back to real golf radio. It's brought to you in part by black desert resort in St. George, Utah. Check out BlackDesertResort.com, And don't forget, you can check out this new Tom Weiskopf championship design golf course, the resort that is under construction and opening next summer. And you can get exclusive real estate opportunities that are still available and play the golf course all by checking out BlackDesertResort.com. It's a phenomenal, as we mentioned with, uh, uh, local Fairways Magazine rated Black Desert as the number one story in Utah because along with the resort came the announcement of two 
tour events, LPGA and PGA Tour, returning to the state of Utah for the first time in over 60 years. It's phenomenal stuff. It's exciting stuff that's happening, and uh, the golf course is worth the trip. Check out blackdesertresort.com. I can't wait to see the tour pros play it next fall. They are, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure they're going to have a field day with it, but I think they're going to have a great time playing down there as well. So awesome. I, I know I have. That sounds sure. great. Yeah. Hey, it's time to get to our top 10 stories from 2023 and there's so many to talk about and i'm sure we're going to forget some again at real golf on x if you want to jump in on the conversation we're going to count this down from 10 to 1 and let's just begin with victor hovland victor hovland won the fedex cup he won the tour championship he found himself being a factor in the major championships uh just a kind of an infectious smile a terrific game in fact turned around a short game especially his chipping bob that was once Kind of leading, we wondered if it would lead to his, you know, the demise demise of his success, right? And now he's just phenomenal with the wedges, the way he was able to be so good in the Ryder Cup. Um, But yeah, how about Victor Hovland kicking things off for top stories in 2023? You know, um, Victor Hovland played 23 events this year in 2023. He ended up having three wins, a runner-up and nine top tens, and he made a little over $14 million dollars. Um, but you know, his wins came at, um, the hero world challenge, um, which is tiger's event. This not a year ago. Yeah. Uh, he won at Memorial. Uh, he also won at the BMW championship and, um, also won at the tour championship. So not only win that 14 million, but he also won a, what another, how much is it? 15, 18, 18? I think 18. Yeah. 18 besides that. Yeah. And he was a Ryder Cupper again, and uh, as you know, the Europeans won the Ryder Cup. So we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But uh, Victor Hovland, a great player, and he's come on pretty fast with uh, with what he's been able to do. Six career wins, um, and so he doubled it up this year. And uh, pretty pretty cool stuff. Victor Hovland is a phenomenal player. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's a guy that you got to look out for. You mentioned Ryder Cup, and he certainly is going to be one of those that the Europeans are going to count on. I haven't really heard his name rumored all that much about Liv either, so that's a little unique. And you know what was great? He, you know, he had such a fun time. You know, the pictures with all the the wives and girlfriends at the Ryder Cup, and you know, he just he was kind of the Ricky Fowler of the Ryder Cup team, right? I mean, before Ricky got married, so. yeah, good. Lots of game. I would expect that a major championship is right around the corner for Victor. Just you know, uh, unbelievable what he was able to do this year. Um, he was what tied for second at the um, what was that? The PGA Championship. Yeah, he was he was right in there. Um, also, you know, trying to trying to contend at the U.S. Open. Um, Anytime there's a major championship, you got to look for him now because he's really starting to get into his own and starting to feel more comfortable and like he deserves to be up there in contention week after week after week and winning golf tournaments. All right, Victor Hovland, number 10 in our top stories for 2023. Number nine, let's stick with the individual players here and go with uh, Ricky Fowler. I just mentioned him, you know, Ricky again has been on the PGA tour for a long time, but a bit of a resurgence this year, Bob. Yeah. You know, the thing about Ricky Fowler is he was well outside the top 50 in the world, which didn't get him into major championships for a couple of years. Um, He was able to get in off of some other finishes, 
and uh, some qualifyings. But Ricky started the year at 105 in the world rankings, and he parlayed that with great play this year in 2023, all the way to number 24. So Ricky Fowler uh, has cemented himself into the major championships, and he also got himself in the winner's circle this year uh, for the first time in a few years, two or three years. Yeah, four years to be exact. He won the Rocket Mortgage and uh, picked up his first win in four years. Huge jump, as you mentioned, inside to the top, outside the top 100 to inside the top 25 in the world rankings. And then, you know what? I mean, he really shocked all of us, Bob, with that 62 in the opening round of the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. It didn't work out for him. He did find himself in the final group uh, there at LACC, but wasn't able to have a great final day. Nevertheless, I thought that was a huge step for Ricky as he continued to come back. He had that putter that became you know infectious that he won there at the Rocket Mortgage. Then pretty soon you had uh, Wyndham Clark who won there. He was playing <laughs> the same, very same putter. He's like, yeah. I don't want that model. I want Ricky's putter and then Keegan Bradley did the same thing in one so uh, that putter became a bit of a story that didn't make our top 10 but the jailbird from Odyssey was uh, was definitely part of this discussion yeah 26 events he played he had one win one runner-up eight top tens uh, made uh, seven point almost seven point nine million dollars but what? one of the things what? yeah point yeah nine million seven point nine wow. million kind of crazy for a huh? single win yep for a single win wow and uh and let me see, for his career, he is currently at close to $50 million. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He's been out there a while. Wow. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah, that's a lot. A lot and, of, of course, money. Ricky made the Ryder Cup team as well. Uh, yep. And, there, you know, I, I think you could have probably made some arguments uh, about other players that could have been there ahead of Ricky. Nevertheless, uh, I think that just shows that he's his game is back. Uh, his confidence is back, and I expect uh, Ricky Fowler to continue to play well out there on the PGA Tour. Yep. Ricky Fowler, number nine in our top ten stories for 2023. Uh, continuing now at number eight, Rose Zhang. Uh, this is a tremendous story. Out of Stanford, she won the ANWA in April, and then she was the first player to repeat as an NCAA championship in May and then followed that in June by winning her first LPGA event as a pro, and it was the first time that a player has done that since 1951, Bob. I don't know. Well, I do know when you were born, but my dad was born in 1951. (laughs) That was a long time ago. That's all I'm saying. Well, I was born in 1960. But, yeah, first event uh, in June and of of this year, and she wins it. And then, you know, she makes it on to um, the Solheim Cup team. Um, She had some other... Great um, tournaments throughout the year, but, uh, you know, $1.3 million, and she just turned pro halfway through the year and really came on uh, greatly in the women's game and is one that you've got to look at. She's 23 in the in the rankings, in the world rankings. She's playing some great golf as well. Kind of surprised she's uh, that high at 23. I would have thought she would have yeah. jumped in there a lot quicker. But, yeah, I would expect big things. And the expectations continue for Rose Zhang. That was fun to watch her win at, at the end while we were there that uh, Saturday when she play, played that final round. And 
Um, she got a little bit of help, but she played yep. good and she played steady down the stretch and was able to get that dub. So, yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. She was already a women's amateur champ. So there was a lot of – she already had a very – she was very decorated, but that's that's really good stuff. So Rose Zhang checking in at number eight on our top ten stories of 2023. And let's stay with the ladies. Uh, the Number seven in our top ten – the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. Bob, we had a chance to be out there for media day and the excitement around this Open Championship for the women being at famed Pebble Beach, a record purse. This was this was exciting for a long time and then the event itself uh, was, was pretty impressive. It was. You know, we got to attend media day, play golf on that golf course on a really cold day and pretty, oh. pretty darn windy. But it was interesting to sit in that media press event and listen to the ladies that were there that were talking about the opportunities that they are having to play on the best golf courses in the world now in their major events and how big this was going to be for this event to be an $11 million event and the winner uh, winning multiples of million of dollars um, with it. And then to see um, the players, how they played the event, who who ended up um, being at the top of the the leaderboard, and Allison Corpuz was the one that ended up winning her first event ever on the LPGA Tour, and it happened to be a major. And a major at Pebble Beach, which is just uh, unbelievable. Hey, I want to go back to that that media day. Brandy Mm -hmm. Chastain was in attendance. Christy Yamaguchi was there. Morgan Pressel. And they all sat up there and and did a little roundtable discussion about the growth of women's game and what this event would mean. Not only for, you know, they all had their moments. In, right. in their sports to elevate the, the women's sports. But what this in particular, and I remember Morgan Pressel saying, I just wish that it was, it would have happened, you know, a few years ago when I was still playing, cause she would love to have played there at Pebble beach. So yeah, yeah. Really, really cool stuff. Great event. Congrats uh, to Allison Corpus for her win. And uh, to the USGA record, $11 million purse, as we said, first time playing there at Pebble Beach. Women's Open, the Women's US Open at Pebble Beach, checking in at number seven on our top 10. Hey, we got to take a short break. When we come back, we still got six to go and so much more. As you know, there's a lot of drama surrounding some of these other ones. We'll get into it next right here as we count down the top 10 stories of 2023 right here on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. This segment is brought to you in part by Callaway Golf. Be sure to check out CallawayGolf.com. Holiday gift guide is available there. And hey, look, it's okay. If you're not gifting for someone else, gift it for yourself. It's never, it's never too late to hook yourself up. Uh, they got some discounts on Paradigm Drivers. This kills me because this has been by far the best driver that I have ever played. And I know I've seen the, the smoke teasers. I know they got something coming out on uh, January 3rd. But uh, I, look, I wouldn't hesitate to grab one of these Paradigm Drivers. They are unbelievable. The Triple X, right, Bob? Uh, yep, triple Triple X. Triple Diamond. Triple Diamond, that's right. Uh, yeah, Triple Diamond, uh, definitely one to, to check out. So uh, the new Paradigm is there, and the new drivers are coming out shortly. Take advantage of the holiday gift guide and some of the discounts at CallawayGolf.com. And, uh, again, we thank you for being with us as we count down the top 10 stories for 2023. Already, number 10, Victor Hovland, who won the FedEx Cup and the Tour Championship. Uh, number two, 
Ricky Fowler's resurgence. Number nine. That's I'm, number nine. I'm sorry, number nine. I went backwards there. Number nine. <laughs> Uh, number uh, and and Ricky Fowler, as, as Bob pointed out, huge jump from outside the top 100 inside the top uh, 25 in the world, and a first dub in four years by winning the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Number eight, Rose Zhang, from Anwa champion in April to repeating the NCAA champion as champion in May, and then winning her first LPGA event as a pro in June. That's the first time that's happened since 1951. Rose Zhang checking in at number eight. Number seven, the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. First time played there on that famed golf course. Allison Corpus, the winner, her first victory, and a lot of excitement uh, and interest generated by Pebble Beach hosting the U.S. Let's just say it's about time, uh, and it's awesome to see the way that all turned out. It was... um, it was a cool thing to be a part of. I wish I had been there live for the event, but being out there for media day and having a chance to to get a sense of the excitement that they are building around that was was really powerful. So uh, hats yeah. off to the USGA for that one. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and the golf course, you know, it showed well, and 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 it really did well for the ladies and what they were able to do and and show and and highlight all aspects of their game. Yeah, and golf too. I mean, just I yep. mean, not just ladies, yep. but the golf in general was awesome. Yep. All right, yep. let's go on to number 6 and we're just going to there was we wanted to limit it to 10, so we're going to put all the majors on the men's tour as right. number 6, which is pretty weird cuz normally we'd probably put that close to number 1, but there's been so many different things this year. We're putting it at number 6. It's okay. We can we can agree to disagree on the mm-hmm. order, but I don't think there's anyone that's going to disagree that the major championships delivered for uh, some serious stories and headlines. Let's begin of course as we do each and every year with the, the Masters tournament in April, and it was a special one. Uh, it was John Rom picking up the dub and you know, who was that? Who did we see that was playing well? Phil Mickelson? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Phil is in contention? I mean, boy, that thing was, uh, it was all a buzz as we hadn't seen Phil since the whole live thing had kind of gone down and, and there was Phil playing there at Augusta as a past champ. Yeah. John Rahm, as you said, 12 under par was the winning score. Um, he shot rounds of 65, 69, 73, 69, and he won he beat Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka by four shots. Now, Kepka was the one that was leading through three rounds and then shot 75 in the final round. Um, and so he wasn't able to get the win, but that would come in the next major championship. Jordan Spieth uh, shot 66 in the final round to finish fourth. Um, then you've also got Victor Hovland at tied for seventh. You've got Scotty Scheffler tied for 10th. You've got Matthew Fitzpatrick, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, all tied for 10th. The leaderboard was phenomenal, and that was a really, really good golf tournament and great to see John Rahm win. Yeah, it was. I mean, Rahm was uh, a gracious champion. Wasn't it on Seve's birthday, too, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah. Um, which was... He was channeling Seve, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, a really great speech afterwards. Like I said, just a gracious winner. And he's there at 12 under par. And, uh, I mean, even Phil Mickelson's, I mean, Phil shoots 65, Kepka shoots 75, and they right. both finish at eight under par, four right. shots back of John Rahm. That was, that was pretty amazing. And he didn't, by the way, he didn't take Scotty Scheffler's cue and go ahead and four putt to, to keep it interesting <laughs> on the last hole. Um, yeah. But uh, Scotty Scheffler, we'll talk more about him. But that was uh, a top 10 
uh, for Scheffler, and that would be a theme. Just not quite good enough with the putter. A uh, couple of news and notes, though, coming out of the, the Masters. Will Zalatoris withdrew in that one because of that back injury, and we would find out that he was going to miss most of the year because of that microdisectomy back surgery. Also, uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas all both missed the cut. And Bryson DeChambeau, who had one time uh, relegated Augusta National to a Bryson par of 68, shot rounds of 74-74, and didn't make the weekend. Yeah, that's right. He did not. Consequently, uh, Tiger Woods made the cut, but did not finish. He had to withdraw. Yes, he had, and, um, he yeah, which was correct. which was unfortunate. And then he would go on to have surgery, and uh, we didn't see him till later in the year as well after he got mm-hmm. that ankle. So, yeah, right. a lot a lot of things. Uh, 74, 73, by the way, for Tiger to make the, the cut. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Yep. Given how it's difficult but- it was. Yeah, and it was difficult, and it was hard on him, hard on his walking. And then the weather got cold, if you remember correctly, Mm. and it was going to be wet. And those two things in the future did not loom well for Tiger. And Tiger was struggling as it was to walk the golf course, even though he made the cut. And looking forward to that, it was something he didn't want to have to do. I have sweatshirts and sweaters uh, from this year to remind me that it got cold at Augusta. (laughs) PGA Championship uh, returned to upstate New York playing at Oak Hill. And uh, boy, you you mentioned it. After a runner-up finish, it was all the Brooks Kepka show. Victor Hovland certainly gave us some some things to uh, to keep an eye on, and Tom Kim went swimming. Michael Block, the PGA professional, um, the club professional, ends up making an ace and gets inside the top sixteen for a re, uh, an invite next year. I mean, there there was a lot going on at Oak Hill this year. Yeah, Brooks Kepka ended up shooting nine under par with seventy two, sixty six, sixty six, sixty seven. Scotty Scheffler was two shots back, and they were kind of neck and neck. Everybody was uh, kind of interesting to see how this would uh, play out, especially with Brooks having played live golf for over a year. Um, he contended at the Masters. Now he gets a chance to win, and he does win. He pulls through at the PGA Championship. He is a major championship machine, and uh, it was great to see him win. Scotty Scheffler, as I said, finished second two back, along with Victor Hovland. So Victor Hovland is now starting to peek in to the major um, championships and and being in contention in those, and that would bode well for him later in the year when he threw, threw three wins. Also, Cam Davis was there, uh, Kirk Kitayama, Bryson finished tied for fourth at that big golf course. And then Rory McIlroy also a tie for seventh. So it was, uh, it was, what did Rory shoot on the weekend? Did you have him right? Rory McIlroy on the weekend shot 69 and 69. Hmm. So he shot 71 in the first round and then he got on a roll of 69 over the next three rounds. Okay. All right. Shot two under par total, but this is the interesting thing. Um, even though, uh, nine under par, was the winner with Brooks Kepka. Then you got Scheffler and Hovland at seven, and then it drops all the way to three under par. Couple of guys that uh, yep. just got just got hot. And what block finish at again? Sixteenth round. Um, what was his Michael score? Bl- even? Yeah, my, yeah. He no, he shot one over par. He shot 70, 70, 70, 71. 
With a hole-in-one. That's pretty amazing stuff. With a hole-in-one. And kind of stole the show a little bit, right? And it was interesting <laughs> the, the, to contrast the two because Brooks was clearly the best player that week, but he also had a little bit of a villain you know, uh, badge on him because of the live stuff. Yep. And so yep. there, was, it, there was this sense that the fans wanted anyone to chase down Brooks, and when it appeared that they couldn't, that Brooks was going to win this thing, the attention turned to Michael Block, the, uh, you know, who, who saw a PGA professional doing what he did and cracking the, was in the top 16? Is that where he got in? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. He got tied for 15. There you go. So that gets him in the PGA championship next year. And it also, by the way, launched a bit of a whirlwind. He, he played a bunch of times uh, over yes. the summer. And uh, I think he got another hole in one or two uh, throughout the summer. <laughs> the guy's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so the block party continued and that was the PGA championship. The U.S. Open, LACC. Um, by the way, we were out there uh, for those first two majors. And again, at LACC, got to be in the media day for that. Chance to play that golf course. Phenomenal. Uh, listen to the USGA and some of the, the local club members there and leadership as well as some of the local LA leadership and how excited they were to bring uh, the U.S. Open back to L.A. for the first time in a long time. And this was a redesigned. Gil Hans had come in and changed this golf course, trying to restore it. And it became a huge talking point around the U.S. Open. It wasn't the tight, deep rough that so many, including the caddy, prefers to see at a U.S. Open. Wyndham Clark gets the dub. What was your overall impression uh, as you look back on LACC as a venue for the U.S. Open? No, well, you know, early in the early in the week, especially in the first round, there were a couple guys that shot sixty-two. Uh, Xander Shoffley and also Ricky Fowler opened with those scores, and we haven't seen scores like that in U.S. Open. The golf course was a little soft. The USGA talked about that that they were having trouble kind of getting it dry enough um, prior to the U.S. U.S. Open. So soft guys went out and shot great scores, but that golf course continued to get harder and harder and harder every every day, especially on the greens. The golf course, it was a great leaderboard with Wyndham Clark, as you said, at 10 under par. Rory McIlroy finishing one stroke back at 9 under par, and then Scotty Scheffler at 7. So it was uh, Rory, uh, excuse me, Ricky Fowler at 5 under par, and and John Rahm at 3 under par. So he was sticking his nose right in the middle of it again after winning the Masters in April. Say what you will, I think LACC is one of the coolest golf courses that I've played and been around. The collection of par threes are awesome, and I think it was a mm-hmm. nice venue. The one challenge, if you will, is given the location of where it is within the Metropolitan, it's tough to get there, so they limited the crowds. It might have been a little quiet, uh, and, and I think you know limiting some of the fans that could be there, but nevertheless, I, I would certainly welcome uh, a return trip, and I know they are, uh, to LACC for an, a U.S. Open Championship. Finally, the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. This is one that we just weren't sure. I mean, this is Tiger Woods just absolutely put on a display. Um, Rory won here too, right? Didn't did Rory win at uh, Royal Liverpool? Or my? I- uh, yes, he did. Yeah, Tiger won, then Rory run. Now Brian Harmon. Yeah. So then you sort of thought, well, who's this going to be? And then Brian Harmon was not on anybody's radar. No, he wasn't. He putted phenomenally during the week. He made everything. I think he only missed one putt inside ten feet the whole week. Um, and he kept the ball in the fairway. He didn't have to push the ball down and and fit it between the bunkers, which the bunkers were put in the exact perfect spots for guys to have a have a tough time with them. He was able to get the ball down the fairway, 
then get it close to the green and neither get it up and down or get it on the green and make putts. Brian Harmon shot 13 under par, and the next closest was Tom Kim at 7 under par, along with Sepp Straka, Jason Day, and again, John Rahm once again, in a major championship. Yeah, Rom had a phenomenal year. There's no question about it. But nobody expected Brian Harmon to do what he did. And yet, at the same time, Bob, I remember our conversation was about, hey, these guys that have all the power, they don't have to hit driver. They don't have to take on those tight spots or those angles where there's in-course out-of-bounds. They have clubs that they could hit the same distance that Brian Harmon hits his driver. And so it just begged the question, why didn't the players adapt their game for that venue, the top players I'm, I'm referring to, where it seemed like a guy like Brian Harmon just plotted his way around and, and, and got the dub and made it look somewhat easy where the rest of the guys just struggled mightily. Yeah. It, you know, it was, it was amazing to see his short game around that golf course. The thing that a lot of guys have said about Brian Harmon, he's, he's a bulldog. And when he gets in contention and he has a chance to win, um, he proved it, especially here at the Open Championship. The major championships, number six in our top 10 stories for 2023. We're going to take a break. Top five coming up next. Stay tuned. We're counting down the top stories of 2023 right here on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. This segment is brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort. Go to blackdesertresort.com and find out about exclusive real estate opportunities around this tremendous new resort that opens up next summer to host a PGA Tour event in October. The LPGA begins in May of 25, and you can play the Tom Weiskopf Championship course as well right now. It's a tremendous opportunity, phenomenal experience. Blackdesertresort.com. Counting down the top 10 stories of 2023. We've already hit the top five. And just a quick recap, Victor Hovland, Ricky Fowler's resurgence, Rose Zhang, the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach, and the major championship in the men's game, rounding out the top five. Bob, number around it, yeah, the top five, the the high five. Here's the low five, if you will. Uh, Checking in at number five, Tiger Woods and... You know, he had to withdraw from the Masters. He had ankle surgery. Yep. But the big story to me was when he came back at the Hero and he said, I think I can play once a month next year. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. massive. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people, you know, in the last year, year in the previous year, I think, or year and a half, he'd only played six times. So basically what he's saying is, I'm going to, I can play six times this year and he'll pick and choose. He'll, he'll play in his event. He'll play in, uh, you know, uh, the PGA championship. He'll play in the players championship. Of course, the masters, you know, the major championships. And that's one per month through, um, July. So I expect that to happen. And I expect to see Tiger getting better and better because guys are saying he's playing, he's hitting the ball really, really well. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see him necessarily in the FedEx Cup playoffs, but yeah, you could see him at a major championship or an yeah. elevated event. As I said, if Tiger plays, it's an elevated event, so he'll yep. he'll take advantage yep. of that. Tiger checking in at number five, number four, the Ryder Cup. Oh, I should mention before we jump into Ryder Cup, uh, he and Rory starting that uh, TGL, and yep. that was so set to kick off but they had some damage to their facility and it got pushed off. I'm not sure we 
know the full story on that. Maybe it's just that simple, but nevertheless, TGL on ice for another year. Number four, the Ryder Cup. Marco Simone, uh, I thought, provided an interesting setup, one that the Europeans were ready for and the United States team was not, Bob. Yeah, it you know, 16 and a half to 11 and a half as far as the Europeans winning the cup uh, by five points. But I think uh, a lot of things have been said about that, and one of them is that the the U.S. squad didn't seem ready. They arrived on on a Monday, only had a couple of days to get used to the golf course where the Europeans had seen it uh, and had played their way into a Ryder Cup, and a lot of the U.S. players hadn't. The guys that, that had, like Max Homa, uh, Jordan Spieth, uh, Justin Thomas, those guys had had decent Ryder Cups, but a lot of the guys had taken a whole bunch of time off and having a month off prior to a Ryder Cup does not bode well. And they got off to a slow start and they were done before they ever got started, essentially, yeah, four, after oh, getting blitzed oh, in the first four first zero in, yeah. in, in the morning. It's morning um, session. Yeah. Morning foursomes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hatgate, uh, Rory and LaCava blowing up. You know, that's that's not great. I get it that it's great for for coverage and attention but you, you hate to see that Lakava was out of position and Rory overreacted. I don't know if Rory Rory reacted accordingly or responded accordingly and the whole thing was was unfortunate and who knows what Cantley was really going on about with that whole hat thing but you right. know the, the idea that there might have been some discontent although the players saying that there wasn't that they were all unified and they loved each other but boy I sure saw a lot more love going around Europeans in the way that they played than the Americans and may that's simply a function of winning versus losing but as you mentioned US gets routed 16 and a half 11 and a half by the way Luke Donald is going to be back again for another round at Bethpage in 2 years so we'll see mm-hmm. what uh Team USA has for an opposing captain. But I was don't. I was going to say a lot of people are saying that uh, Beth Page Black is ripe uh, for Tiger to be the next Ryder Cup captain. So um, don't be surprised if that were to happen because Tiger has won there before, and it would be a great New York venue oh, at Beth Page Black. It's for going him. to be anyway, but yeah, Tiger takes it up yep. a level. All right, yep. number. Three, the USGA and the RNA roll back the golf ball. Now, on the one hand, this is a major story because we've had this whole distance study that had been going on for, what, two, two three years that took a yeah. little bit of a pause. Well, it's been ongoing really for the last couple of decades, but it, this distance um, report that they had come through, uh, they, they were taking a, some time on the findings to get through COVID, and then they had a comment period that saying that they were – considering rolling back the golf ball and and accepted comments. And then finally, just recently announced that they were pushing forward with the golf ball. They were they eliminated the bifurcation, which I think was was very uh, loud and, and, and well-received, that that was something that the golf world did not want. And so, right. consequently, the rollback affects not only the best players in the world, but the entire uh, game, including the amateurs. Well, what we found out over some study over the last couple of weeks, which I think makes this not the number one story in golf, is that it's going to have minimal effect on the average player where it will have a more increased effect upon the best players with the highest swing speeds. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm not panicking or overreacting to this rule. No. I do think it's important 
and and by the way, go go look at Padraig Harrington on social and listen to some of his stuff. I thought he made some great points about the golf courses in Ireland and how they're excited about this because it's preserving some of the golf courses that otherwise were uh, almost unplayable. So it's and I think he said it best. This is a bit of a line in the sand, is what it is. It's not necessarily yeah. a rollback. It's yeah. like we're going to try to stop it right here. Yeah, recreational golfers are going to look at less than five yards um, with with. Uh, the change and that does not take into effect until 2030 uh, women's female pros five to seven yards um, average pros uh, probably nine to 11 yards and then the longest hitters 13 to 15 yards so it's not a huge major they just um, cut in yardage but they just want to kind of throw out an anchor a little bit and kind of slow everything down yeah there's no question and certainly go back and listen to our interview uh, with uh, the USGA's Thomas Pagel as he explains more on this Dean Snell offered some interesting insights as well from Snell Golf so number three USGA and RNA roll back the golf ball number two in our top stories for 2023 has to be live golf and the framework agreement that happened on June 6th the shock wave that went through the entire golf world and sports world in some ways when he saw Jay Monahan sitting next next to Yasser uh, on was it CNBC or MSNBC whichever it was yeah and they're announcing that a framework agreement that they're going to basically partner in the middle of what had been a nasty lawsuit to that point in time yeah and you know the lawsuits were going on and on and on um, back and forth a discovery. Um, it, it was it going to be, you know, uh, the Saudis coming and and into the United States to be deposed and in court and um, all the things that were the ramifications that were going on. Um, it, it was almost like that um, it was an unwinnable battle uh, against a huge private investment fund with with the Saudis and it was it was going to be extremely tough for the PGA Tour so um back channel discussions and uh brought the the powers that be to the table and then um they had these discussions and this framework was put in place on on June 6th when it was announced now that that has not been finalized yet supposed to be until uh the end of December December 31st that they're supposed to have it finalized but you know what those guys can kick the can down the road if they want and uh, they can they can figure something out but a lot of players are coming out and saying now that they want it to happen they want this this unification to come back they want uh to be able to have this agreement between the PGA Tour and uh, the PIF not the live tour but the PIF and, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, there's no doubt that the PIF also means there's going to be some inclusion of the, the Live Golf Tour. And what that means, we don't know just yet. But you or know how that, it's going to happen. That's yeah. right. Uh, look, there's going to be a lot of discussions around Jay Monahan, how he handled this. I'll just say this. Yasser outplayed him hand and foot. It's not even close. And I don't think the PGA Tour has much of a choice than to include Pitt. And in recently plans. he outplayed him. Yes, <laughs> going forward. And that yep. leads us to number one, which of course it just happened recently. John Rahm, after the year that we just uh, you know listed out, uh, where he played into all these top stories, he ends up announcing he's leaving the PGA Tour and joining Live. Consequently, he gets suspended. Uh, that means everybody shifts up. So, you know, there's some happy players that jump 
jumped inside some of those points they were just outside of, including the top 125 and the top 50 and so forth. But yeah. uh, it's just still shocking that Rom decided suddenly that even though he hated that format and he doesn't play golf for money, well, now he plays golf for money and he's okay with the format. Yeah, he took the money. Uh, estimated upwards of close to $600 million and uh, just a staggering amount. And the interesting thing is, will um, Live Golf continue to be separate? Will it merge with the PGA Tour? How's it going to be handled? Um, was he just jumping in because he knew things were going to happen that would benefit him? So he's he's grabbing it now. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy to see what he what he did and that he jumped. I liked the idea that someone said we'll find out whether he was a pawn or a knight in this game. But nevertheless, he was an expensive piece as this negotiation is ongoing. John Rahm leaving the PGA Tour for Live Golf, the number one story in our books for 2023. We'll take a short break. We'll wrap it up next. Thanks for joining us on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Thank you again for joining us here on Real Golf Radio as we wrap up year 24 of hosting the show and, of course, year 2023 on the calendar. And we'd like to thank those that uh, help us to make this thing uh, the way it is. Uh, Jeff Babineau, Rex Hoggard, Ryan Ballingy, Jeff Roots, Jim McCabe, some of the golf writers that join us on a regular basis. Um, Thomas Pagel from the USGA, John Bodenhammer from the USGA, good friends, good contributors. Troy Merritt, Tony Finau, a couple of players that join us on a regular basis. Of course, America's favorite caddy. Hats off to the caddy who joins us each and every week. Couldn't do it without him. Ryan Karshner's the uh, director of golf uh, operations and development for Black Desert and Marcella with Reef Capital, as well as, well as Erickson Balsita, the tournament director, Patrick Managing, Ma- Manning, the managing partner for Black Desert. Uh, there are also some manufacturing guys, Dean Snell, Dave Neville, Sean Toulon, Jeremy Butler, uh, some Golf Channel folks, Karen Stupples, Rich Lerner, uh, of course, Rex Hoggart, who we just mentioned, that joins us, and uh, Ian Carter with the BBC. Uh, we've just been fortunate to have such great associations. And, of course, our producer, Dave Glauser, we couldn't do any of it without him. Our stations that pick us up, uh, broadcasters, syndicators, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Looking forward to year 25 on Real Golf Radio. So for my pal Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor, wishing you all the best as we wrap up 2023. We'll see you real soon right here on Real Golf Radio. Real Golf Radio.